There is no doubt that persecution is a stark reality of living the Christian life. Persecution should be expected. Indeed, right now on planet Earth, we're seeing more persecution than we've ever seen before, leading many to wonder, are these the last days of the last days before the return of Jesus? Hi, everybody. Brian Sussman here. This is the Brian Sussman Show podcast, episode 141. I'm on the road right now away from my studio, so the audio quality isn't quite what you would normally expect, but I just had to jump on, produce a podcast, and get it out to you because pro-abortion radicals are planning to terrorize Catholic churches on Mother's Day. I'm recording this on May 6th, 2022. However, I believe that the content within this podcast is going to hold good. It's like an evergreen that will last far beyond this date. So we have the Supreme Court leak revealing Roe v. Wade may be overturned. And the left is going crazy. Now, it's interesting because the left in this particular case are pro-abortion organizations and people. I think abortion is an abomination. I think abortion is ghoulish. Now, let me stop right there. I just want to say there are many wonderful Christian women who have undergone the abortion process. And I want to underscore something that they know, or perhaps they need to hear again, that Jesus has forgiven them. What they did in that moment of time has been covered by the blood of Jesus. It's over. It's done with. You do not need to look back. Thank God, thank God, thank God that he always gives us another chance. But what's happening right now is, with this leak, and it was all so perfectly timed because in politics, nothing happens by accident. Everything is planned. So think about this. There was the leak. And just as the leak was made public through the media organization Politico, there were already radical activists on Capitol Hill ready to protest. In other words, Politico published the leak and the activists were ready to pounce, and they did. This was followed up, that was on a Friday, this was followed up just a few days later with Kamala Harris, Vice President of the United States. Now, whatever you may think about Kamala Harris doesn't really matter because the left loves her. She was giving a speech to a group called Emily's List, a pro-abortion radical, radical group. So you had the leak, Instantly, you had the protesters and then Kamala Harris giving a speech to Emily's list to fire up the, the crowd. And they are ready to go all out in their protest of anyone who opposes abortion. And not just a protest. Protest. This is an all-out persecution. Now, who would primarily be in the crosshairs? Christians. Christians who believe that God creates life in the womb and it must be protected. So what we're getting ready for now is a week of action. 
They're going to protest in churches. They're going to disrupt, disrupt church services on Mother's Day. And then they're going to have a week of action, as they're calling it. A week of action to protest outside of churches. Now, they're primarily targeting Catholic churches, but I'm sure it will extend to other vocal Protestant churches as well. These activists have also recruited Antifa. Antifa would be the brown shirts of the left, brown shirts of the Democrat Party. They're the strong arms. Antifa has already gone into action in Portland. There is a crisis pregnancy center in Portland. Now, crisis pregnancy centers and and pregnancy resource centers are scattered throughout the United States. I have been a, a supporter, as many as many of you have, of the crisis pregnancy centers and pregnancy resource centers for many years. These are wonderful centers that provide counsel to women who want some counsel outside of Planned Parenthood. They're pregnant. They're in crisis. They don't know what to do. They, know, they want to know what their options may be, and they come to these centers, which are also medical facilities, I might add. In Portland, scrawled along the outside wall of the crisis pregnancy center was FCPCs. They spelled out the word F, of course. And they bashed the windows of the facility. So, friends, it's gone to property destruction. It's going to go to outright confrontation, which is going to get physical. Whenever Antifa is involved, it gets nasty really, really quick. This is persecution. Persecution that is ramping up even in the United States of America. Now, regarding persecution, it should be noted that persecution against Christians has always been the case. You could look at the lives of, of the apostles. They all died horrendous deaths in the name of persecution. But I will also say that the persecution we're seeing now is, is global. There's persecution of Christians that doesn't make the news throughout Africa at the hands of radical Muslims. There's the persecution that doesn't make the news for the most part in China, where the communist government there occasionally clamps down very, very hard and imprisons some might say millions of Christians. This is going on all around the world, and now it's come to the United States. It's coming to the United States in this form of a more violent sort of, of persecution. I know in certain parts of the world, Christians refer to persecution as smash and or squeeze. Smash and or squeeze. The smash is violent. The squeeze isn't so violent. The squeeze is persecution that comes through society, persecution that causes you to be shunned on the job or shunned in your neighborhood. That's the kind of persecution that, of course, we're talking about, I think, here in the United States. There's going to be more of that, as well as the smash, carried out at the hands of groups like Antifa. But again, it can't be understated, some of the persecution going on around the world is at genocidal levels, aimed at Christians at genocidal levels. So, yes, there has always been persecution all around the world at times, but we're seeing something that is global right now, which again, 
causes many, many students of the Bible to just pull back and say, yes, we know these are the last days, but perhaps these are the last days of the last days before the return of Jesus. I'll talk more about abortion in just a moment, but when you think about it, the three institutions created by God are all under attack. Those three institutions are the family, government, civil government, and the church. I'll talk more about those in just a moment, but let's think about something. They're all under attack by what? By the left. By the left and their willing accomplices, primarily in the media. Let's talk about CNN. CNN rolled out CNN+. Plus. This streaming service was a repackaging of their ultra-radical and biased newscasts and, quite frankly, anti-biblical shows, like this one, Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper is a rock star of the left, big shot on CNN. He had on CNN Plus parental guidance with Anderson Cooper. Parental guy. He's going to be giving parental guidance. This is a guy who is openly gay. He has two sons born out of wedlock. And he's supposed to be the icon for parental guidance. This rollout cost $500 million. Thank God was canceled within the first month because Christians said, are you kidding? No, 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 no. I'm done. And I think it was fringe Christians as well thinking, this is cuckoo. I, I do not want anything to do with this, even though I'm not necessarily a guy or a gal who goes to church on a regular basis and I don't read the Bible. This is insanity. Then you have Netflix. Netflix made another big area. They were offering families uh, basically rampant child porn style shows with a rampant push for openly encouraging transgendered and homosexuality as the norm. They've been losing customers in the droves. Uh, they, they've had the, one of the worst performing stocks of 2022. Twitter, of course, banned conservative voices. And uh, what happened there? Well, one wealthy American said, enough, Elon Musk, Musk, one of the world's richest men, if not the richest, bought Twitter for $44 billion, and he wanted to make the platform a, a, an icon of free speech. We'll see how he does. But a lot of people have just said, we're sick of this. It's too much. Thank God for that. Even Disney. Disney's been pushing an anti-biblical agenda and exposing children to all sorts of crazy sexual lifestyles and presenting them as normal in cartoon movies. But this is the effort by the left to just go in there and change and shape and mold society into the image that they would have. Not the image God would have, the image they would have. And as a result, Christians are standing up saying, no, no, no. And as we say no, there are going to be others who say, it's time to persecute you. We'll start with the squeeze, and if we have to, we'll go to the smash. But quite frankly, persecution is to be expected. I'll never forget. I was in a church service, and it was uh, it was getting it was getting exciting. And the preacher just had everybody in the palm of his hand, and he was 
He was spouting off one line after another, and the ending of each line was, will be blessed. And so he had the congregation going, and he would, he would say one thing, and the answer would be, will be blessed. And he'd say another thing, will be blessed. And then he would say, then he said this, all those who live a godly life in Christ Jesus, and the crowd said, will be blessed. To which he said, uh, no. That's not what the Bible says. And now, of course, the congregation was completely silent. Because it's, it's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be blessed. No, will be persecuted. Will be persecuted. Jesus said if they persecuted him, they will persecute his followers. Jesus made it clear that those of the world will hate Christians because the world hates who? Jesus. If Christians were like the world, vain, earthly, sensual, given to pleasure, wealth, ambition, well, the world won't oppose us. But when we stand up for righteousness, we do get opposition. Christians do not belong to the world which is why the world engages in Christian persecution. You see, we, as followers of Jesus, are influenced by different principles from those of the world. We're motiva motivated by the love of God. We're motivated by His holiness. And while the world is driven by the love of sin, it is our very separation from the world that... That arouses the world's animosity. You see, we have to learn to recognize, and I know that this is going to be tough for some people, we need to learn to recognize the value of persecution and even more to rejoice in it. The persecution of Christians allows them, allows us, allows us to share in a unique fellowship with the Lord. Think about that. When we're persecuted, we're sharing in a unique fellowship. It's not that I wish persecution upon anyone, even myself. But Paul outlined a number of things that he had surrendered for the cause of Christ. And such losses he viewed as rubbish. He says that in Philippians 3.8. He said, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In fact, the King James Version calls it dung. And what is dung? Well, okay, you see what I'm saying? The noble apostle even counted his chains as grace. And persecution, quite frankly, is good for believers. James argues that trials test the Christian's faith and develop endurance and help develop maturity. And whenever there is persecution, what happens? The church, quite frankly, always grows. The church grows in number. Even in the face of Christian persecution, which is ramping up in the United States of America, if you are against abortion, get ready. It's coming. 
Let's do a brief review of why we're against abortion as Christians, as believers in the Lord. The prophet Jeremiah said this. Well, actually, the Lord said this to the prophet Jeremiah. You can read this in the first chapter of Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And he went on to say specifically of Jeremiah, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. The word formed in Hebrew in Jeremiah 1.5 is the same verb used in Genesis 2.7 as part of God's creative act of forming Adam, the first human, from the dust of the ground. So this is very important to know that God formed us in the womb. I formed you in the womb. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, he said. In other words, as sperm met egg, before there was any creative activity going on, God knew what was going to be taking place. It's also good to know that the Hebrew verb translated new in Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you, means more than intellectual knowledge. It's used to describe the most intimate of relationships. In other words, before Jeremiah was conceived in his mother's womb, the Lord was thinking about him in the most profoundly personal way. It's the same with you. Can, can you can you just wrap your brain around this for one moment? Hey, no, you can't. We can't. We really can't. But God knew us from the very beginning. He's had a plan and a purpose for our lives from the very beginning. It's awesome. And then, of course, prior to his birth, Jeremiah had been set apart, which means he was sanctified, made holy, consecrated. You see, this is what's happening in the womb. It's a sacred, quite frankly, mysterious place that should also be protected. Now, God formed Isaiah in the womb. Uh, Isaiah 49 verse 5 says this, in the womb to be a servant. God formed the prophet Isaiah in the womb to be his servant. Psalm 22, the psalmist acknowledged that, quote, from birth I was, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. That's what the psalmist is saying. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. The Apostle Paul also said this is in Galatians 1.15. He said that God set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. The womb is a sacred place, a mysterious place, a holy place that must be honored and, quite frankly, protected. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, the Lord is saying to all of us, to all of us right now. That's super important. And so that leads me to the three institutions that God created. He created the family, or the home, if you will. And of course, every, every person in the home, in the family, started in the womb. But look how the family now is under attack. The traditional family that God instituted is under attack to the point where we're told that men can have babies. I just want you to know this, that when your 
your leftist friend who has been taught that men can have babies, they, they really believe this to be true, but I don't think even they understand the men that they're talking about are, are women, women who have I decided to identify as men. Women who have decided to identify as men. They get pregnant and then they have a baby. So they're, they're still women. They're just women identifying as men. That is completely screwed up from, from God's plan. That is not what he intended. The family is just being completely under attack to the point where children, as you know, are being really forced to reconsider their gender. So the family's under attack, that institution. The next thing we have under attack right now is, is government. Government has gone out of control. That's why the founders of America were so brilliant. They designed a government that would govern least. Govern, government that governs best governs least. They put together a government that they wanted to have under restraints. Restraints of the Constitution. They wanted to keep it as, as small as possible. In fact, the primary role of our federal government was to provide a national defense. But look what's happened over all these years. And by the way, look what's happened over all these years. As soon as you mentioned the framers of the Constitution, the founders of America, uh, the left points a finger wildly and says, they were racists! Name-calling. Name-calling, of course. That's always where they go when they're caught in a bind. But let's talk about government for just a moment. God established civil government shortly after Noah and his family left the ark, after the worldwide flood. The first responsibility given to civil government is found in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. It says this, Whoever so sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. This was the establishment of capital punishment. This was an establishment that said life is precious and you can't kill somebody, period. If you kill somebody, sorry, but your life shall come to an end. It's sober. It's heavy. But it establishes a primary pur purpose of government. And what is that purpose? The protection of its citizens beginning with the protection of the foundational right to life as a gift of God. And then, what is the third institution God created? It's the church. God established the church with Jesus as the cornerstone. Ephesians 2.20 says this. It describes the church as being built upon the foundation of the apostles and the, and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So the apostles and the prophets, the prophets are the Jewish prophets. It puts the Old Testament and the New Testament together in a beautiful way. This mission statement of the church is found, by the way, in 20, uh, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, which says this, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Those are the words of Jesus. Again, the primary focus is to teach. So we have the family, the government, and the church. And all these institutions are under attack. The government in the United States of America has been apprehended by the left, by deep state bureaucrats who have placed themselves in positions of power. Some of them are unelected bureaucrats for life who seek to change the government into something that would be more, more of the mind of Marx than of the mind of Madison. How about that? And then the church. I think so many churches, quite frankly, have lost their way. For example, if if I was just if you were if you weren't listening to the, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> maybe it's playing and you're now asleep. <laughs> but if these three institutions were are new to you, uh, that would tell me that perhaps perhaps uh, your church isn't teaching some foundational truths. Let me close with some foundational truths. It's important to understand that God knew us before we were born. The fact that God created each of us and knows us so well has great significance for our lives. Here are two things you need to just come away with. Hopefully this will make an impact and spur you on to greater works in Jesus Christ. God made us fearfully and wonderfully, fearfully and wonderfully. When we look at ourselves, we need to stand in awe of God's work and his handiwork. Not denigrating the way he made us, but being grateful for the embodied way we get to be in relationship with him. And some of us have such poor self-esteem and, and just bad self-images. Uh, friends, please take a moment. Just maybe go away for a period of time and just... Thank God for all the many blessings in your life. I, I do this on a semi-regular basis, especially when I'm driving long distances by myself. I will literally just think about all the wonderful things God has done for me since the time I was a little kid and didn't know him. The times he protected me. The times he, he blessed me the times he guided me in the way of truth. I just, I recount his blessings as, as David says in the Psalms. And I can go on and on and on. And it just so pumps me up and makes me realize that he made me wonderfully. He made me fearfully. He is for me and not against me. And then the second thing is, God knew us before we knew him. It's comforting to recognize this. He knows the end from the beginning in, a, in like a cosmic sense. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times and things not yet done. I have spoken, I will bring it to pass, I have purposed, and I will do so. That's from Isaiah 46. 
crazy. God has a purpose for our lives. And we can trust that purpose and be and, and we can trust that it will be fulfilled when we listen for his calling. You, my friend, despite what you think about yourself, despite the reckless life you may have lived for, for many, many years, and you're just finally coming to faith in Christ, you're finally surrendering after just years of, of reckless living. Can I tell you something? That's all under the bridge. It's over. It's done with. You, my friend, have been fearfully and wonderfully made. The creator of all life knew us before we were born. He, he put our cells together in our mother's womb, fully knowing the entirety of our lives. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't know what's going to befall us in this country, my friends. I just, I believe that the persecution is going to ramp up. The left is so enraged right now. You can see it in their faces. If you've ever been to one of these rallies, you can, you, you, you want to see something terrible? Look at some of the faces of these protesters on the other side. They are possessed. But we, we are possessed by his Holy Spirit. May we go forth in faith. God, lead us and guide us. Direct us in the way in which we should go. I know some listening have been called to action, and I pray that this, this podcast confirms that they need to step out and get into action. Others are called to prayer like never before. Lord, no matter what, may we be an influence for you, trusting in you at all levels. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. Uh, I This is episode 141 of The Brian Sussman Show. You can listen to it on a number of different platforms. More on me at briansussman.com. Thank you for listening. Really appreciate you.